This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Incline listeners, looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. Mookie, Mookie, Mookie. What's up, everyone? Thank you for checking out another episode of The Incline. We're recording on a Friday today. The Dodgers coming off a 2-2 split. We're going to dive all into that in a second. But first, I wanted to introduce a great friend of the show. She's been on a couple times, and she's back to talk some angels with us. It's Jane Lednovich. Jane, what's happening? What's going on? It's good to be back. Jane was a... One of the OGs. She came on a couple times last season. We debated some Dodgers Angel stuff. And if everyone remembers, it went the Angels way. The Dodgers didn't even win a single game. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. You can hold on for a few minutes, Jane. We're going to talk some Dodgers real quick. They just came off a 2 2 split against the Padres. I have as to say, I, said, I have to unfortunately say, David called it. But they came off on a high note. Winning the last two, they obliterated Chris Paddock yesterday. So, David, you can kick it off. Let's see what you have to say. Um, yeah, this is about what I expected from this series. Uh, I knew the Padres would give us a little bit of trouble, um, but it's nice to see the Dodgers' offense finally woke up. Uh, obviously, Mookie Betts is the headliner here. Uh, he's leading uh, baseball in war for hitters. Uh, and that was just special to see last night. Three home runs. Even your boy Austin Barnes hit a home run, which I'm sure I'm going to hear about later on. Uh, but this, you know, this is what we thought the Dodgers offense would be when the season started. Uh, so hopefully they can, they can keep this going through the Angels and, and the Mariners series. Of course, I know it's only one game, but we saw Mookie Betts leading off against a right-handed pitcher and we saw Corey Seager batting second. And if, Seager can stay healthy because I'm not worried about bets. If, if Seager can stay healthy, that is 
by far the best one-two punch in the majors when they're going right. And we saw that last night. Corey Seager didn't miss a beat. I love that he came back as the DH. I think he should play. I, sh- I think he should be the DH more often so that he doesn't, uh, we're not in danger of losing him for even more games by him playing shortstop. Don't think he's that great of a shortstop anyway. I think Chris Taylor is a much better shortstop. Yeah. TK Hernandez is a much better fielder. So I feel like we have better defensive options at shortstop to allow Seager to just continue to mash. And for Mookie Betts, this is what we wanted. This is what we expected. And it's crazy to think that he has now six games with three home runs, and it only took him like 611 games to do it, which is insane, which ties him all time with Sammy Sosa and Johnny Mize, who uh, each also hit six three three homer games, which is just unbelievable. I mean, the, the, the guy is going to break that record, I think. He may even have eight or nine three home run games by when this is all said and done. But this is what we wanted. And I, I know that there's a little, a little part of Dave Roberts died inside last night because what, <laughs> yeah, he saw, what he saw on the field was like, darn, like my plan of doing left, right, left, right was supposed to work. It's not worked out with Peterson and Max Muncy in the leadoff spot. He puts Mookie in there against the right-hander. And now it's sort of forced his hand to do it. And I don't really care what forced his hand. I don't care if it was his decision or just looking at the numbers or, salty uh, Dave. you know, uh, Salty Dave, if he's caving to, to, you know, to pressure from Kevin Klein. I don't know. I don't care what it is. But just the fact that he listened to reason and now he's got his leadoff hitter. This is how it should have been the whole time. And now we can just enjoy it. Yep. Mookie Betts was simply electrifying. He had three home runs. He raised his batting average to 319. I think he was four for four yesterday. He drove in four RBIs. He scored four runs. And with runners in scoring position, he's batting 500. And then, yeah, Corey Seager coming off the, his little day-to-day back injury, hit a home run as well. Austin Barnes went deep, as David unfortunately had to mention. But the offense finally came to fruition yesterday when they released their best lineup all year, in my opinion. They scored 11 runs. They blew out the ace of the Padres. So they say Chris Paddock, he gave up six runs. Perdomo Fall gave up five runs. The game before, Justin Turner hit that big three-run home run. David kind of called it, saying after he hits that first home run, he gets white hot. So there was another example right there. And, yeah, I mean – a 2-2 split, I guess you'll take it. They're now 13-7 and seven through their first 20 games, so we're officially a third of the way through the season. And with that being said, I just want to also add, fans need to chill out when it comes to Julio Urias. It seems like every first inning they overreact. They say, take this guy out of the rotation. People are going mad on Twitter, and I just wanted to read a quick stat real quick. Urias has now made four starts for the Dodgers. In the first inning, he has a 6.75 ERA, so obviously that's not good. The Dodgers are going to usually be in a deficit when he's on the mound, but innings after that, two through seven, he's only reached the seventh inning once. He has a two or he's a 1.56 ERA, so once he gets past that first inning, he really settles down. And overall, he's 2-0 with a 2.53 ERA. And then lastly, before I pass it over, Austin Barnes is white hot. <laughs> Everyone wanted him off the team, calling him a minor league catcher. Well, over his last uh, four appearances, he's five for his last 11. He has one home run, and in four consecutive games, he's driven in at least one run. 
five RBIs in that stretch, and he's even hotter than that. I think Jake pointed out he's five for his last nine. <laughs> yeah, he is He is playing well in the last three games, but as David always likes to point out, let's, you know, let's put it into context. He was facing Luis Perdomo and a number of those at-bats. So he's arguably the worst pitcher in Major League Baseball. He is arguably. pretty bad. He is pretty bad. But I, but I just want to point out, just because everybody's been ragging on Austin Barnes, you, David, you and I have been ragging on him for a long time. He's and I been will struck- continue to do so, oh, but go ahead. Oh, Okay, but but let's just appreciate it for a second because I feel I, I feel good for Austin Barnes yeah, that he I was able too. to do this. Like this this is good for for him. It's good for the team, especially with Will Smith. We don't know how long how long he's going to be out with a sore neck. So if if Austin Barnes can regain some confidence in him, I'm all about it. I'm not I'm not expecting this to continue because he's not that good of a hitter. But I'm just I, I'm happy for him. I agree. Um, you know, I don't dislike Austin Barnes. My whole pitch is that he shouldn't have been playing as much as he was. Uh, so, yes, obviously this is a good thing for the Dodgers. Uh, but one thing I do want to point out, uh, first I'll, I'll give some stats on Seager, but I want to get to Chris Taylor in a second. Seager, I think, is the key to this entire team. Uh, he, when he's in the lineup, they just play better. Uh, he's ninth in the MLB in average exit velocity, fourth in hard-hit balls uh, with 30 first in barrels, and the top 1% in expected batting average and expected slugging. But Chris Taylor, let's, let's appreciate what Chris Taylor's done this season. He leads the team with a 400 on-base percentage, and he's slugging at an 807 uh, – or sorry, his OPS is 807. And he's hitting two, 288. Uh, this has gone under the radar. He's having a sleepy good season, a uh, sneaky good s- season. And he should honestly be in the lineup you know, pretty much every day at this point. And if you're not going to hit Mookie Betts first, maybe you should hit Chris Taylor first. Cool. All right. Well, we brought her on to talk some angels, the freeway series, as the peeps call it, the Dodgers and angels. We have a couple questions we'll get to in a second, but first I'd like Jane to give us a little insight to what's been going on out in Anaheim. Oh man. Uh, it's been a little bit of a hot mess, not going to lie. Uh, Angels, I think, are 7 and 12, so not doing great. You know, they, uh, they won their last two out of three against the A's, which was really good. The A's are just on fire right now. But before that, they got swept by the Rangers. So they can't really seem to find their rhythm. And I think the core strength of their team is in the top of their order. You know, you have David Fletcher, who's leading off. He's having a great year so far. He's... I think this is his third year with the Angels. He's 26. He's batting 303. He has three home runs. That's pretty decent so far. I mean, to have somebody who gets on base consistently uh, before you have Trout coming up has definitely been a huge run generator for us. You have Tommy Listella. He's back at second. He's not having a super hot year, not like he was last year. Um, but he's still hitting 288. Um, he needs to work on his power. He only has one home run. And then you have Trout batting third. And um, having a baby was probably the best thing that's happened to him, like in his career. <laughs> him and everyone else, man. Everyone I know. He's just like baby he's, fever. AJ it's Pollock. Insane. It's Austin insane. Barnes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is about new dad power, but it's definitely the it's thing. real. It's real. Um, he's batting 328, eight home runs, tied for second in the whole league. Um, thank God for Mike Trout. I mean, every single year since he's joined the team, he's just been carrying them over and over. And it's, you know, it's a shame he's not getting any, any support behind him. Cause once you get past Trout in the lineup, you have Anthony Rendon, 
yikes. He's off to the worst start in his career, which who would have guessed after signing a massive deal with the Angels that was going to happen again. We'll talk about him more later. <laughs> oh, man. But um, he just broke an 0 for 21 skid against the A's in the last series, so maybe he could be heating up. And then you have Shohei Otani, who I think you guys were talking about with Austin Barnes. Maybe it's more of like a mental block with him. I think something similar is happening to Otani. You know, he was um, he just pulled from the rotation after like two really horrid starts. Um, and he's not doing too great at the plate. He's only batting 212. He has four home runs, which is, you know, that's good to see. But, I mean, he's just not the same Shohei that he was last year. And I think that's more of like a mental thing. Um, so we'll see how he does against the Dodgers. I don't really foresee that happening because the Dodgers rotation is just insane. It's really hard. Um, and then you have deadway Albert Pujols. I'm sorry, but I mean, he's really, he does not contribute much to this lineup. I mean, he's batting sixth, but he only has eight RBIs. He's only batting 182. It's just, it's really, really terrible to see when you have a situation with runners in scoring position and out you see Albert Pujols strike out nothing is more infuriating so it's you know there's good and bad but I mean the most challenging part of their lineup is at the top and then once you get past Trout it's really sort of smooth sailing from there you should be able to get through the next few innings pretty easily um, and rotation-wise, I mean, you guys lucked out. Dylan Bundy isn't going to pitch in this series. Dylan so. Bundy is a wagon. I want to talk about him whenever you're done, by the way. I, I'm a huge Dylan Bundy fan, but go ahead. He's tearing it up this season. And Joe Madden, he had the option of switching Bundy in that uh, game three on Sunday because Bundy last pitched on Tuesday, and they just had this off day. So Madden said, I mean, he could have done it, but Madden said he's going to go with Julio Tejeron, so we're taking a dive there. You're welcome. Um, but, I mean, the rotation really isn't that great. Andrew Heaney starting on Thursday. He has not really been the same since he got injured a few years back. His ERA is like four-something. Um, and then Patrick Sand – oh, wait, Andrew Heaney's going to be game two. Patrick Sandoval, he might be interesting to watch. He's a young guy, 23 but he's going to face his biggest test against the Dodgers on, you know, today. I mean, and you're Clayton Kershaw. Exact against Kershaw, exactly. So crazy, uh, crazy kind of team dynamic here. There's good and bad, but I, definitely more bad than good. You know, Jane, can I ask you a question as an Angels fan? Because as a Dodgers fan, I'm just I'm looking at this from an outside perspective, and I'm been I've been watching Trout ever since he came into the league, and he's been you know the best player in baseball every single year. Do Angels fans feel badly for Mike Trout? I mean, obviously he got a massive contract, but do they feel badly for him that they constantly are not putting the pieces around him to be a good team? And it's not just the, I mean, it's, it's not really the offense because you guys are scoring runs. It's always been the pitching. I feel it in, in Anaheim. But, but my question is, do you guys feel badly for him that like, like you, you may be, you know, sort of wasting his, his career? Yeah, Jake, absolutely. I mean, these are his prime years. He is, you know, I mean, he is the Mickey Mantle of his generation, in my opinion. He's supernatural. It's insane that he consistently puts up these crazy numbers. You know, he's winning home run titles. He's leading the team in average hits, RBIs. And I think that they've really, the, the Angels, not to fault their front office, they have tried 
to build a team around him. They just really can't seem to find the right parts that fit together. I mean, like with Anthony Rendon, again, they signed one of the most consistent hitters in the league. Nobody thought that he was going to get off to an under 200 start. You know, it's, I can't fault the front office because it's not like they're not trying. Um, But I do feel bad for Trout. You know, it's obvious he wants to win a championship. He knows that the team has to build around him, um, which is why I'm glad that uh, David Fletcher is doing well. I think that he's a great um, addition, especially at leadoff. Uh, I think if Tommy LaStella can sort of improve a little bit, he'd be great. Um, they just need to add, you know, some more support behind him. I mean, once Albert Pujols' contract is up, that'll be great. But by then, Trout's going to be 30 going on 31, you know. And so they really are – the hourglass is sort of ticking here. And I feel I feel a little bad because who knows how long Trout can continue to produce like this. I mean, he is like a baseball god, but he is human. You know, we all age. Our bodies all deteriorate at some point. Um, in terms of, like, the pitching – I will say I have been really disappointed with what they've been doing with the rotation. I think our last ace that I can remember was Jared Weaver. And that was like seven years ago. You know, we have not really had a consistent ace since then. And I mean, some of that has been, you know, um, you know, we had an unfortunate thing that happened with Nick Aiden Hart. uh, That was tragic. And then with Tyler Skaggs. So, I mean, our pitching is, um, it's a little bit cursed right now. Um, hopefully with the addition of Dylan Bundy, maybe this is a breakout year for him. Oh, it Um, is. David, I know you're really on team Bundy. I'm itching to talk about Bundy right now. (laughs) And then this young guy, Patrick Sandoval, he's 23. Um, you know, he could be a good addition to the rotation, but I mean, with like Otani, that's been kind of bad luck there. So I think it's just a combination of, they haven't found the right equation to a successful team, and then they've kind of hit some bad luck along the way. So it is a little disheartening to see that they have literally one of the best players in the league, and they can't even make it to the playoffs. You know, that's obviously it's you never want to see your team fail when they have someone so good. You know, it's such a waste. All right, I got one question for you uh, mm-hmm. before I do a little Dylan Bundy pitch here. Every about two weeks, I see on Twitter that David Fletcher just starts trending, and when I try to find out why. There is no reason. It's just a bunch of Angels fans just talking about David Fletcher, sending David Fletcher memes and all this stuff. It's hilarious. Do you know what is the deal with that? And, like, why am I seeing David Fletcher trending every couple weeks? Is that just like, yeah. is he just like a fan favorite? Or what, what's going on there? He is. I mean, David Fletcher, so he's 26. He's in his third year with the Angels. He's pretty young. And he's exciting to watch. I um, I was reading a little bit about David Fletcher before I came on, and a lot of people are comparing him to um, our old favorite uh, shortstop, David Eckstein. I know mm-hmm. that David, he plays for base, but he's a lot like Eckstein in that leadoff role. He gets on base consistently. He makes great defensive plays. I mean, to see him out in the field, he's – He's clutch defensively. He's a great batter. He can hit home runs. I mean, he's kind of like the hot young thing on the Angels right now, you know? Yeah. And uh, some people are calling him um, Fletchstein because of uh, okay. how he's – a lot of people seem to compare him to David Dexstein. Um, but he's just really fun to watch. I don't know the memes. I'm a little out of the loop there. If someone mm-hmm. has good um, David Fletcher memes, please send them my way. I okay. love it. I love a good old meme. Um, no, I think that he is just sort of like the rising star of this team. You know, he could be a great with Trout. 
Um, I know you guys were talking about uh, Mookie leading off. Um, I think that with Fletcher and Trout, they could be a great like one-two combo, uh, kind of like with Mookie and Corey Seager maybe. Um, he's just been really fun to watch, and I'm excited uh, that he's really starting to find success. He's really having a breakout season. Right on. Okay, so Dylan Bundy, a little background on, on my relationship with Dylan Bundy. Ever since he was a top prospect for the Orioles, I've been on the Bundy train. I have never left the Bundy wagon. Uh, one of my good friends, his name is Sam Hannigan. He's a big Angels fan. And when the Angels signed him, I, was, I texted him. I was like, you guys just made the best signing of the winner. You guys are going to be unreal. With Bundy's going to be unreal this season. Uh, I was right. He's leading MLB in war. He is in four starts, has 28 innings, in 28 and two-thirds innings. He's given up five runs. That's good for a 1.57 ERA and a .63 whip with 35 strikeouts. Uh, this dude pitched in some bad luck in Baltimore. He never really got his footing. Uh, he had no run support. Uh, he had about one, one or two good years, his first two years in Baltimore. But I, for one, am thrilled to see this guy finally find his groove. Uh, I'm a huge Bundy fan, and it looks like, you know, the Angels should be, you know, prioritize keeping this man on, on their team. I mean, this is this could be finally – he maybe he just needed a change of scenery, uh, but as, you know, a long-standing member of the on the Bundy wagon, I, I'm thrilled to uh, to see him succeed in Anaheim. That's interesting because I know that he, he sort of did struggle in Baltimore, and when he, he signed the Angels, a lot of people were like, oh, this isn't what we need. We need someone more consistent. We need someone more reliable. Yeah. But um, I'm really – he has been like the one silver lining of our rotation. I mean, just the Definitely. one bright yep. star of our pitching. And so I'm really, really happy to see that he's um, doing well. I know they just signed a one-year contract extension with him. Yep. So um, we'll see. Hopefully he can continue that success. I'm a little disappointed he won't be playing you guys. I yeah. am not. And yeah, I don't I'm not either. <laughs> I don't know where Artie, the hopefully Artie doesn't blow that one. I don't know where the Angels team ERA would be without Bundy, because overall right now they're actually twenty second in all of major league baseball, four fifty four to be exact. While the Dodgers, on the other hand, Angels are gonna have their work cut out for them. Dodgers are number one in team ERA right now, two thirty two. And their bullpen has been on fire right now. So if the Dodgers get a lead early, it's going to be tough for the Angels to come back. What do they got? 22 or 23 consecutive scoreless innings right now going for them. So we have a couple, we have a couple questions that I just wanted to get out of the way real quick. They're both uh, from Dodgers, lowdown members, actually, Oscar and Jacob. Basically, they want to know, first of all, is there a rav rivalry between the Dodgers and Angels? Yes. Yes. A thousand percent. I mean – Angels fans, we don't typically go to Dodger Stadium because nobody wants to sit in traffic for that long. And then just to get hackled by a bunch of Dodgers fans. I mean, Ken and I went to a Dodgers game once in like 2012. That was my first time at Dodger Stadium in my 20 years growing up in Southern California. But if you go to Angel Stadium, which is where you guys are going to be this weekend, I mean, it's about half Angels fans and half Dodgers fans. And it's intense. You know, like you got guys shouting at each other. It's it, the energy is just so awesome. And I think that, you know, some Dodgers fans tend to write off the Angels, which is understandable. You know, like you guys are the better team, I think, most of the time especially in recent years, but you can't deny that the Dodgers tend to struggle against the Angels for 
whatever reason. And I think, you know, there is a rivalry there, whether some people take it seriously or not. Um, I think there's definitely the Freeway series. I mean, it's classic. I love it. I, I sort of fall on the fence on this because I feel like head-to-head matchup, it's not really close. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I know that the, that the Dodgers tend to, you know, dominate the Angels a little, a little bit more. Angels have a, have a World Series win. The Dodgers don't in, you know, since 1988, so there is that. But I, but I think overall, I, I agree um, that the environment is, is really intense when the Dodgers go to Anaheim. And I'm, I was really disappointed that we weren't going to be able to see all the Dodgers fans that would have packed Angel Stadium when the Astros came to town because that would have been awesome to see. Um, but I think since the – just for me, like what's, what's angered me the most about, about the angels is, is the name change has really bothered me because they're not in LA County. They're in orange County. It's a different County. And just to call themselves the Los Angeles angels, it just, I, I think it, um, if I could speak for a number of Dodgers fans, it kind of like lit a fire under us. I think just to be like, wait a second, how can you claim this city is your own when you don't live in this area? So I just, I'm curious from an Angels fan, how you guys feel about not being called the, the Anaheim Angels. Um, I hate it. It sucks. I mean, no, I mean, and all Angels fans hate it. We hate the name, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. You're right. Anaheim isn't even in the same County as Los Angeles. It's just, a scheme to market and sell mm-hmm. more advertising, you know, which is just, that's capitalism for you. Um, <laughs> I mean, thank God we still have, it's still Angel Stadium of Anaheim. So at least we've held on to that. And that's in part because the city signed a contract with the team that's like basically ironclad. The big A. The big A for sure. A for Anaheim, yeah. which is where they play. They should be called, or at least just call them the California angels, you know, just go back to the original, you know, that's fine too. But uh, yeah, uh, Los Angeles angels of Anaheim to hear it announced at, you know, when they're on the road at visiting ballparks, it's just so stupid. It makes every angels fan just roll their eyes and it's just, I wish that Artie Moreno would have the good sense to just go back to Anaheim Angels or California Angels. But yeah, it's, it bugs, it drives all of us crazy. It's good, good sense and Artie Moreno don't really go hand in hand, sadly, for Angels fans. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, my take on it is, you know, yes, yes, it is a rivalry, but also it's, you know, not really a priority rivalry for the Dodgers, at least. Um, obviously, you know, the Giants are going to be number one. And now with the Astros, I mean, that's going to be a thing. Maybe not a rivalry because you're not going to play them every year. Um, but frankly, I'm just glad to see Cole Calhoun off the team because, <laughs> yep. I mean, good Lord, he would just destroy the Dodgers every year. Uh, <laughs> so now that the bad man is, is gone, uh, I think that the Dodgers, you know, should be able to overcome their struggles against the Angels. Uh, but I'm all for I'm all for a good rivalry. Uh, I, you know, I don't dislike the Angels. Uh, I'm not, you know, I dislike the Giants and I dislike the Astros. I don't really dislike the Angels. Uh, you know, I'm all for, uh, you know, the Big A and Mike Trout and Gooby Tuesdays and all that good stuff. So, uh, you know, it's 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 more of a fun rivalry for me. Definitely. Speaking of Artie Moreno in good sense, perfect time to plug in this question. 
What was your reaction to Artie Moreno backing out of the Jock Peterson and Ross Stripling package for essentially nothing because he was impatient? Um, that was the dumbest thing that I have <laughs> I saw during the whole offseason. I mean, he had this great deal lined up, and he, you're right. He just got too impatient, and then they lost out on a – potential great addition to the team and that's just that's the kind of owner he's been you know he's not a really critical thinking kind of guy I mean take a look at the A's for example you have Billy Bean who can consistently build a solid good team year after year without signing without signing Anthony Rendon or anyone else to a massive package he just is able to analyze the numbers and you know, put the right pieces into place. And Artie Marino basically just acts on emotion and passion. And he just wants that instant gratification of having the best right now. You know, we saw it with Albert Pujols. We saw it again with Randon. We saw it with Shohei Otani, you know, like it, the Otani signing was a huge risk and it has not really, they haven't really gotten that return on investment yet. Um, so he really is, just a, a terrible team owner. He's bad at managing the team. I'm glad that they were able to sign Trout to a contract extension. I mean, they had to literally throw the entire bank at him to get him to stay in Los Angeles. Oh, excuse me, Anaheim. But it's just, it's infuriating to see that, okay, you have the general manager who is able to line up these great deals, but then Artie Moreno swoops in and says, no, I don't want that. No, they don't want to sign. No, done. Next. You know, it's just, it's really disheartening. And if he's not going to commit to building a championship team, then he should just sell it, you know. But I know he won't. So it's it's a trap. It's just that That Ross Stripling, Jack Peterson trade that never happened is, I'll never understand that. And yeah. zero you could, sense. You could make the argument, okay, maybe, you know, because Jack Peterson's not off to a hot start, but he definitely would have been like right in the middle of the lineup behind Mike Trout. It would have added some punch. You guys needed some outfield depth, obviously. The Dodgers are trying to shed some salary. Didn't end up mattering, though, in the end for the Dodgers because they signed Mookie Betts to a huge deal. But just just to think about how lopsided a trade that was that he didn't go through with is crazy to me. And I looked it up because they did an article in the LA Times about that deal and kind of what has happened since then. And they had a quote from Artie Moreno back in February uh, when he was talking about the trade. He hasn't really talked since about it. But he said, in, term, if, uh, in referring to Ross Stripling, we're looking for a pitcher that can substantially help us and not a four or five. So you take a look at Ross Stripling and you line him up in that Angels rotation, he's easily the number two or number three. Uh, in, in the starting rotation, but easily number two behind Dylan Bundy. We've seen Ross Trimpling kind of blow up a little bit um, in the recent games, but overall he has gone deep into games that would alleviate the Angels' bullpen. I mean, I don't need to go through the whole, the whole list with you guys, but just, just the sort of like disconnect there is just is, is mind-boggling. And I also want to correct myself because I, I said that the Dodgers had more wins in head-to-head matchups with the Angels. I was wrong, according to Wikipedia, which I know is not you know foolproof. But um, there have been 124 total meetings between the teams, and the Angels actually have the edge 
at 70 yes. wins to Angels, 54 wins. Yeah, it feels oh, like it too, for sure. Angels have more, and they got four last year while the Dodgers got none. But yeah, just yeah. one quick thing on the on the on that trade. I mean, they were the Dodgers were basically handing Stripling and Peterson and prospect Andy Pages on a platter for Artie Moreno, and Artie basically said, "No, I already ate lunch." Uh, I mean, it was literally just insanity. And and the guy the Dodgers were getting back, by the way, Luis Rangifo, is four for thirty-two on the season. That's good for a one twenty-five average. His OPS is four hundred. Uh, yes, they have years of control with, with Rangifo, uh, but man, I mean. But they already have utility guys like Taylor and Hernandez. Oh, they I know. have those it guys already. This trade was strictly a, a salary dump for the Dodgers. We were trying to get rid of Peterson and Stripling's salary, uh, you know, for whatever trade loom next uh, or, or whatever signing to get under the tax or whatever they're trying to do. This was not a trade to make the Dodgers necessarily better. Uh, and how any owner could re- reject that trade is is beyond me. Yep. Okay, another guy that I want to talk about real quick, who I actually don't like, the newest member of the Angels, Anthony Rendon, and his <laughs> Hollywood lifestyle comments he made in the offseason. I just, I don't know. Everything that's coming out of this guy's mouth just makes him more unlikable to me. And yeah, he's struggling. You already named some stats. He is able to get on base at least that is a positive but do you think anthony rendon is going to work out in the long run or is this going to be the next pool host for you guys um i have deja Pujols with anthony <laughs> rendon <laughs> like, just like this whole start i mean he's batting 180 like it's just it's been really and he knows like he's struggling he's broken i think more than one bat this season uh striking out um He is starting to get hot. He had three home runs against the A's in the last series, one in each game. So maybe he's starting to turn a corner and it's, I think it's just too soon to see if he is going to be the next Albert Pujols, but it does not bode well. You know, I think that he, he made some of those controversial comments at the start of the season. um, And I think that he, you know, is trying to adjust to that, Hollywood lifestyle you know he is he knows he's Anthony Rendon he's such a huge name um and he knows that he is better than the stats he's putting up right now so I mean we'll see how he does against the Dodgers I mean this is going to be the Angels biggest test of the season is against the Dodgers so I mean if it's we're going to learn a lot after this about the team and Anthony Rendon for sure I, you know, I think Rendon will be okay overall. The one, I guess there's two, well, three things that concern me are he's only really had three great years in his career that warrants that contract. Um, so I guess I wonder is, was it just a, you know, that was his peak and that's it. Um, and then second and third, second, is the one world series win enough for him? And does that, you know, now that he got paid, is that, is he, is he, complacent uh and third the quote about how he said i want to say it was four or five years ago he doesn't watch baseball because it's too long and boring that's just kind of like a red flag for me overall uh you know i don't i wouldn't want to hear that from you know cody bellinger uh who honestly like may feel the same way if i know cody bellinger um but yeah i mean i think he'll be fine uh, if he's going to warrant the contract, you know, that's to be determined, but you know, he's, he's good enough to where he'll, he'll get by just fine. Okay. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to point out, Julio Tehran 
coming off a disastrous start. I think it was his first of the season, 1350 ERA. I'm just filming at the mouth right now because this guy has historically struggled against the Dodgers. Corey Seager absolutely owns him. I believe in the past he had a three home run game involving Toronto as a starter. I think Bellinger hits him well as well. So hopefully the Dodgers can at least do something in that game. Otherwise I'm going to be disappointed. I just think, I just wanted to add real quick. We talked a lot about how bad the Giants were going to be this season, and that may still be the case, but we still struggled with them. So I'm not taking these Angels lightly. I, I have a feeling that the Dodgers offense has the ability to absolutely obliterate you, but it also has the ability to make guys like Hulu Tehran look like Pedro Martinez. So yeah, absolutely. I, I, I am focused on this series. I don't take it lightly at all. Interesting. I would not be threatened by Tehran because he is not in both his starts. He has not gotten past the third inning. Oh, it's so. not Tehran himself. It's just that how the Dodgers, how these mediocre pitchers just morph into like godly, you know, Cy Young type pitchers when they play right. the Dodgers. I think you, yeah, I think you guys mentioned that on like your, uh, your last pod or at least um, Sean Green was sort of talking about it, how he, he would do well against like the more well-known pitchers, but like the mediocre guys, he sort of, tended to struggle a little bit more against. So, I mean, we'll see, but I would not fight like Julio Tehran, not the most intimidating guy you can send to the mound. I I was a little pissed at Joe Madden that he didn't send Bundy out there, but we're taking a dive, I guess. And, and they're also facing former Dodger Andrew Haney. So there's that too. All right, guys. So Jane brought the fire today, giving us all the great info on the angels. So why don't we just wrap it up real quick on this freeway series and then we'll move on over to the next segment. Cause we got a couple more things we got to cover. Um, I'll go first. Um, I, like I said uh, earlier, I think this is going to be the angels biggest challenge yet. You know, the Dodgers are a stacked team from the lineup all the way to the rotation, all the way to the bullpen. Um, you know, the angels do have a little bit of an edge cause it's going to be a home series. Um, but they are going to really have their work cut out for them. And I think uh, the bottom line to their success is going to be their starting pitching. You know, they really need uh, their guys to go at least hopefully five innings, give up two earned runs or less. Um, And I think that's going to be the key. And I think that if they can hold the Dodgers to a few runs, um, they have a real shot, but that's going to be easier said than done. So um, we'll see. Hopefully the Angels can take at least one. Just avoiding a sweep would be great. Yeah, my thoughts are pretty simple. Like I said earlier, the bad man, Cole Calhoun, is gone. Uh, I would like to see – and there's no – we're not facing Bundy, who's like Cy Young this year. Uh, So I'd like to see the Dodgers sweep this series. Uh, I would be, you know, content with two out of three, but I think anything less than two out of three is a disappointment for the Dodgers. Uh, And last thing I want to say, and I'm sorry if this offends any Angels fans, but I hate Joe Madden. I really hate Joe Madden. This dude thinks he's the smartest man on the planet. Uh, his goal is not to win games. It is to prove to us how smart he is. He would hit the pitcher eighth uh, when he was with the Cubs, uh, you know, based off of, you know, his own calculations. And I just can't stand him. He's pretentious to me. Uh, I'm a, I was a big fan of Mike Sosha. Uh, I loved how he, you know, propped his arms up on that box and just kind of managed like a, you know, like a boss. Uh, but Joe Madden is the opposite of that for uh, me. I literally can't then. stand him. Go ahead. I mean, how bad did it get with Sosha towards the end? 
Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you this. My dad had a funny nickname for Mike Sosha. He would call him the Sphinx because he would just sit there in the dugout yeah. with his hands up like that the entire game. And he would not move. Like, even, like, he would not even argue um, balls and strikes towards the end. And I think that he just sort of got complacent towards the end. Um, with Joe Madden, I think that this year he is using this season to try and figure out what works and what doesn't. I think that for him it's less about um, trying to win games, which is a little frustrating because they actually have a real shot at making the playoffs, or they did have a real shot at making the playoffs this year. Um, and I think he's just trying to figure out, okay – what lessons can I learn this year that I can apply to next year? I think that's what he's more concerned with. Um, I was not a big fan of Mike Sosha towards um, the end of his career. Like after 2010, I would say that he was kind of phoning it in. Um, so it's, you know, and then um, the other guy, Brad, what's his face? I can't even remember his last Brad name. Brad <laughs> That's who it was. I mean, he was just a total bust. So, We'll see. I think that Joe Madden, he had great success with the Cubs because the Cubs were a freaking amazing team. Um, you know, we'll see how that translates to management with the Angels. So maybe he picked up a couple things from Sosha. Here, here are my thoughts. And I think to, to your point, like, yes, Joe Madden had some decent teams, but he also had some teams like with the Tampa Bay Rays that everyone thought had no business being there. And they end up, you know, getting to the world series that one year. So I think it has a, a, a combination of things, right? You got to have a good team and you got to also be smart and make and make good decisions. I think Mike Sosha after a while just didn't have any good teams and he didn't have any good pitching. And I think that's the one thing that Madden is struggling with now is that he has a really great offense and they are scoring runs. They need to do some work with, uh, you know, situational hitting just like the Dodgers do, but it's been the pitching. It's always been the pitching. And so when you've got a team like the angels, like Joe Madden has, you know, there's not a lot he can do with a bad pitching staff. You look at Dave Roberts and Roberts has everything he could ever want. He's got pitching, he's got hitting, he's got superstars, he's got a deep bench, he's got a deep bullpen, and then he still makes the, the blunders that we see, and it makes absolutely no sense. So I think for Joe Madden, we just got to see if he can make this team his own and see what happens, but I'm, I'm on David's point a little bit. He is a little pretentious, and he oh. does try to show off a little bit, like Dave, like Dave Roberts is trying to show off you know, trying to bat Muncie and Peterson, you know, leading off like, Ooh, I'm going to fool these guys that, that try these openers and then they go and they do matchups and things. It was craziness because it didn't work. But uh, ultimately I, I did like Mike Sosha. I thought he was a smart baseball guy. It would have been smart for the Dodgers to make him their manager when they could, when they should have. Um, but overall, my thoughts on the Angels series just quickly is I'm, I, I'm wary of how, how we play the angels typically. And so I'm not really expecting a sweep. I am expecting two out of three. I'm also looking to see how Clayton Kershaw responds after his uh, poor outing that he had recently and to see if he can regain the dominance that he had over the diamondbacks in his first start of the season, but it's going to be a challenge. Angels have a great offense. So we'll see how Kershaw deals. And then the, uh, the Dodgers are facing two lefties in a row. Um, and uh, Haney tomorrow. So we'll see if Max Muncy shows up. Uh, it's not Max Muncy. Mookie Betts shows up in the leadoff spot against uh, the righty 
uh, at Tehran at the end of the series. So we'll see if Dave Roberts sticks to that plan. Yeah, my final thoughts, I also agree. I think the Dodgers are going to take two of three. And the game that I'm kind of most worried about is actually game two of this series, Walker Buehler versus Andrew Heaney. Walker Buehler just hasn't looked like himself at all this season, and I don't expect him to go past six innings. And every single year, it just seems like the Dodgers bullpen has one of these slip-ups against the Angels for no matter who's on the team. We saw it last year. Dave Roberts pulled Ross Stripling when he was cruising as a reliever for Dylan Floro, who ultimately gave up a bomb to Mike Trout. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen again. Andrew Heaney, you know, he's not elite stuff, but he's still a solid major league pitcher. He's the type of guy who could give the Dodgers trouble if he's on. So that's kind of the game I think could go the Angels' way. The Angels need to build a statue of Mike Sosha on his box and put it out front, dude. I'm telling you. They like won him a World Series. Monument. <laughs> Iconic. Build it like the Sphinx. All right. Yeah, so, I mean, World Series champion Mike Sosha. Yeah. What else do you want? <laughs> okay. Moving topics now. This was pretty much the big story yesterday. Joe Kelly making an appearance on the Big Swing podcast, which is – run by Ross Stripling, and he had a lot to say about the Houston Astros and Major League Baseball. So basically, to sum it up briefly, briefly, if you haven't heard about it, apparently Major League Baseball has flight attendants on these flights. They don't get tested, allegedly. Uh, Rob Manfred and whoever else was really pissed at Joe Kelly, basically accusing him of causing all this controversy, even though Joe Kelly built hours of evidence proving that he just has no command of his fastball. And apparently Carlos Correa spit at Joe Kelly and the Astros were saying all kinds of little things to the Dodgers players and Kelly referred to them as little B words. So I know Jake's listened to it. So I want to get your thoughts right now. Of course. I I think I, I really love Joe Kelly. Like I love unfiltered Joe Kelly. I think he is a, really candid and open. And I like that he was able to do that with Ross Stripling. I'm, I'm of the same mind Joe Kelly is because if you look at what happened in that game, Joe Kelly got suspended originally for eight games for throwing allegedly at the Astros, didn't hit him, And then for the skirmish at the end where Joe Kelly made, you know, the famous face at, at Carlos Correa and the rest of the team, but it was the Astros that came over to the Dodgers side of the, of the, you know, to the Dodgers dugout. And Joe Kelly was walking away, maintaining social distancing. He gets eight games and then it gets reduced to five. And you compare that with what happened with Ramon Lariano and the A's and Alex Cintron of the Astros, where, yes, I, I agree that Cintron definitely should have gotten more games than Lariano because he taunted him. But Lariano ran after them and got into a fight a physical altercation. These guys were making contact with each other. It's craziness how they were able to evaluate which, how many games these guys got. And I still think five games is far too, far too many games for Joe Kelly. The one thing that I didn't really like about that interview is the fact that he was so quick to defend Alex Cora. And I know that Cora was his manager with the Red Sox, but Cora deserves a lot of blame for what he did with the Astros in 2017. He was one of the masterminds as it came out with this whole cheating scandal. The problem that everybody has with this is that the players were given immunity. And that's the one thing that Joe Kelly pointed out was that these guys weren't punished. And Rob Manfred could have dealt with it 
in the offseason and didn't and you're seeing the and you're seeing the response from the other teams trying to police themselves and it's not working and now you're punishing people for reacting to this egregious cheating scandal that went down as opposed to just disciplining the people that started this whole thing I mean, yeah, Jake basically said it. I'm kind of over-talking about the Astros personally because, first of all, they suck this year, so that's, like, you know, the most important thing. Second of all, you know, if they're playing like crap, I'm not going to give them attention. Uh, Rob Manfred, we all, we all know, is a joke. Uh, we shouldn't expect anything good to come out of, you know, his judgments and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I'm cool with it. I, I, I like Joe Kelly a lot. Five games, you know, it's whatever. The, the, the Dodgers are more than fine without him for five games. I just think it's the principle of it, honestly, just given everything. I think it's the principle of it. I, I, I do think we'll be fine without Joe Kelly, but the fact that he got five games for that is just insane. Yeah, but expectations. Anything you wanted to add, Jane? I was going to ask you, Kevin, just like um, off-field antics aside with Joe Kelly, I remember not too long ago you were on Twitter calling him Blow Kelly. Oh, yeah. Oh, Kevin. I just want to know, have your feelings towards Joe <laughs> Kelly evolved in the last year or so? This might catch up so behind me. To be so. honest, not really. I don't think he's proven that much yet that he's can be counted on in these really important games. And he actually admitted it on the podcast for what it's worth that he knew he was terrible last year. He said <laughs> he knew in the first two months he gave up like 20 something, 30 runs and he had to do something to find himself. I mean, this season he's looked great so far, but the fact that he still doesn't have command of his four seam or two seam fastball is a bit concern concerning since that's typically the easiest pitch for someone to throw. And we saw it in the postseason. It ended on a very sour note. He gave up, I don't even want to say, but if you watch game five, you know how it ends. So I don't think he's proven himself yet to me, but I do think personality-wise, he does fit in on this team great. Obviously, everyone respects him. They like him as a teammate. And, you know, that's it's a step in the right direction. So while we're on random subjects, I just wanted to commend you on – I know you're very pro-ALDH rules, and I, I'll say it. I'm coming around a little bit so far. It hasn't been as horrible as I thought, especially if the Dodgers can manipulate and put someone like Seager at DH when he's kind of banged up. So we'll see how it plays out, but I just wanted to throw that out there. It hasn't been as terrible as I expected. I mean, universal DH keeps things exciting. I know that you are more of a traditional um, pitcher should hit kind of guy. I mean, you and I have been at odds on this issue for um, you know, since we've been friends, which is a long time. Uh, I'm glad you're coming around. I think that, you know, having a DH um, really kind of adds a little bit more excitement. You know, I mean, there's that strategic element when you have the pitcher, you know, hitting as well. But with the DH, I mean, it's honestly, it's more advantageous uh, to have a DH than to not, I think. All right. It is. It's time to wrap up the show. So we're going to close it out with the out of left field segments. We're going to do a fire round today. So David, you can go first. All right. Um, out of respect to you, if you want to take my out of left field time to just talk about Austin Barnes and just kind of ream me a new one here, I will cede my time. 
Otherwise, I, I can just do my out of left field. But I'm just offering an olive branch to you right now. If you want, to, if you want 60 seconds to just no. go off on Austin Barnes. No? no, I'm good. Taking the high road? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> my out of left field, I had two. One was negative, one was positive. But, you know, if you know me and you know the show, I'm going to go with the negative one first. People who block the sidewalk. Like, I'm talking like you're a family of four and you got, you know, the mom and the dad and then you got the kids just taking up the entire sidewalk. You're going like half a mile an hour, like looking at the stores, looking at all this stuff. Like, who do you think you are? Again, these people need to just learn common etiquette. If you're, you know, if you're in a group of six people and you're just gathered around blocking the sidewalk and you see other people approaching you, move, clear some space, move your butt, pick a side and create a walkway. It's a sidewalk for a reason. Uh, you know, I've, Especially now, you know, when everyone's, you know, trying to stay away from each other and, you know, create whatever distance. Uh, it's like I was out walking the other day and there's like a group of like six people as a family. And they just, there was like seven people approaching them. They just didn't move. And we, we all just like walked into the street to get around them. And I just don't know how these people were raised, uh, but it, it's a problem. Uh, you know, people in society, man, it's, it's just something new every day. So yeah, I, I mean, that reminds me of, Susie Jane at the grocery store. It's all these yeah. typical problems. Yep. All right. It's that out there. Come to New York City before coronavirus when you would have like 10,000 people on one sidewalk and they'd yeah. all stand in front of the subway entrance. So I get it. It's the, it's the people who are just stationary on the sidewalk that bother me. And, you know, the slow walkers is the second place, but the people who are just standing there and don't make room when, when they see other people are just, just annoying. All right, mine's real quick. I'm going to call this the zero of the week, and it's going to go out to Seahawks rookie cornerback position, Kima Siverand. And he was cut this week by the Seahawks. He was an undrafted rookie. for He was caught on video sneaking a woman into his hotel room. Now, he thought about it. He didn't just bring her in. He had her dress up in Seahawks gear, thinking he could get away with this. <laughs> It did not work out in his favor. He is the zero of the week. I want to see him come out and make a statement. Maybe he'll try to say he has an addiction, if you know what I mean, and he'll go to rehab for it. We've seen it with Tiger Woods. We've seen it with some actors. It's one of my favorite allegedly addictions that are out there. So let's see if the Seahawks rookie brings it. Um, All right. You can go, Jane. Real quick, real quick. Um, I actually went on a, a trip last week. I went to Chicago to see my family for the first time in many, many months. Uh, wore two masks and a face shield, so I was super careful. Um, when I was on the plane, I was seeing people with their masks below their nose. People. It goes over your nose. It, it's supposed to cover the, the nose and the mouth. If it's not over your nose, then you might as well just not wear it because it's not effective. So when you're wearing your mask, cover your nose of your nose and your mouth that's all i want to say okay. beautifully said i actually <laughs> thought about that as saying that as part of my out of left field but i second that beautifully said thank you um sit, sitting here i was thinking about uh david's sidewalk rant and i kind of want to piggyback on that but i want to change it a little bit and talk about the moving sidewalk at the airports Ooh, like the human conveyor belt yes what person 
in their right mind yes, dude, yes. Bring would home. stand on the moving walkway. <laughs> I mean, have we reached a new level of lazy? <laughs> First of all, it's awesome to walk on the moving walkway. Yeah. You feel like you're moving at 35, 45 miles an hour. You mm-hmm. are on the goddamn move. <laughs> Why would you stand stationary on the moving walkway? And then, of course, like if you're going to be a dingo and do that, move to the side because the, I'll see people standing on the moving walkway with their suitcase next to them, fully blocking the whole thing. And it just makes absolutely no sense why anybody would want to stay. The thing goes two miles an hour anyway. Like, what is the purpose? I can't stand it. Start walking on the moving walkway. If you've never tried it, it's a lot of fun. Okay, but the the more important thing, building off of that, the people who choose to neglect it completely, if you have the option of using the moving sidewalk and you you choose to just walk... Like, are you a psychopath? Like, are you a serial killer? How do you, how do you elect to not use it? They've got I, something to prove. Yeah, it's like, are you proving to us that you can walk without it? Like, obviously, we know you can walk. What is the mindset of someone who chooses to not use one of those? You've been walking around, you're traveling, you can use a little break, maybe get to your gate a little faster, maybe get to Cinnabon a little faster. You, how do you not use it? Insanity. Insanity. That was a good one, Jake. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. Worst sides come out at the airport. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't want to ignore our great fans, our great fan Darla Jimenez's question real quick. She just wants to know if Woods coming back to the rotation, do you think he's earned it or do we bump anyone out? I'll answer real quick. I think if anyone's going to lose that spot, it's Ross Stripling right now. Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May are pitching out of their minds right now. Uh, Unfortunately for Stripling, he's just the weak link in this whole. I mean, they have the depth, just this whole rotation. And if Roberts really wants to pledge his allegiance to Wood, if he deserves it or not, I'm sorry, it's Wood over Stripling in this situation. Wood didn't prove that he should be in the rotation during spring training, and he hasn't proven it so far this season. And he, he's, not been, he's not been good. So I don't understand how you could put him in there over Stripling. But Dave Roberts is going to do his Roberts thing, and he's yep. going to put Wood in the rotation – I just hope that they don't send Gonsolin or May out. I just hope that doesn't happen. And if you have to think about it, you shouldn't be managing a baseball team. It's, it's the clearest cut thing I've ever seen. You, you play the players that are playing well. It's that simple. You don't, you don't put May or Gonsolin on that alternate site. I'll be very pissed off if they do that. Yeah, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. If they take Dustin May out of the rotation, I will bring a pitchfork to Dave Roberts' house the next day. Uh, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Alex Wood hasn't done anything to prove it, and Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin have. Uh, it's that simple. The reality of the situation, though, is they'll give Wood another shot, and the casualty will be either May or Gonsolin because this team, they favor Stripling and they favor Wood here. Uh, they've always tended to favor the veterans, give them a shot, uh, so answering the question, I do think they're going to give Wood another shot. Uh, and I do think Mayor Gonsolin will be the casualty. Probably Gonsolin, given how well May's pitched. Um, but, you know, one, one misstep by Wood or Stripling, I think, brings, brings Gonsolin or May back. Perfectly said. Jane, really appreciate you joining the incline today. I hope you had a great time. I did. Thanks for bringing me back. I'll be back in uh, about six weeks or so, hopefully. 
Yeah. Nice. Sounds good. And just teasing the next episode, this is part one of a two AL West preview series we got going on. So we're going to announce our next guest pretty soon, but some of you are going to know who he is. I'll leave it at that. All right. Thank you for listening to The Incline. We're out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.